You're listening to Bible Prophecy Talk on the Revelations Radio Network. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome to a supplemental edition to the previous podcast about Jewish eschatology. This is just a few things that I wanted to add to that podcast. I'm doing it from my headset, not my regular microphone, so I apologize for any diminished sound quality there. But I just felt I really wanted to add something that I found in Zephaniah chapter 2 that I think make will help make a point I made in that podcast more clear. The podcast I'm referring to is the one about Jewish eschatology published yesterday, December 6, 2013. So I would highly recommend you to listen to that podcast before this one. Okay, so first I wanted to correct a few mistakes from that podcast. I said Armelius about a million times to refer to the Jewish version of the Antichrist, when in fact his name is Armelius. Armelius. And I think I said it right the first time. I knew I, I was going to have trouble getting it right, because even now I'm prone to saying Armelius instead of Armelius. But that is that is his name. Some people think it's derived from Romulus or supposed to be a play on those words. They're not quite sure exactly what it is, but wanted to correct that. Also, I said at one point I held to the two-king theory of Daniel 11, when in fact I meant the three-king theory, but uh, it should be obvious from what I was describing that, that I did hold to the three-king theory. Um, Okay, so let's just jump right into what I wanted to talk about in this supplemental podcast. So, in the last podcast, I talked a lot about Daniel eleven forty through, well, right on through twelve one, um, where where we have the wars of Antichrist, and he is defeating. Well, first he's attacked by Egypt and a coalition of uh, Arab countries. There, he defeats them. Then he's attacked by the the, the northern confederation of Arab countries, I believe. Uh, he completely defeats them. So he defeats, really, these macro, big enemies of Israel, like from time immemorial. You know, Egypt, which is sort of the traditional enemy of Israel from the Exodus, etc. Then he defeats, you know, the king of the north, which includes all what biblical Syria and Babylon and all those countries are uh, destroyed. But then he enters into the glorious land, and many countries shall be overthrown. But these shall escape out of his hand, even Edom and Moab and the chief of the children of Ammon. I'm reading from the King James here. So so a lot of people sort of try to force the text here to say that when he enters into the glorious land, that is Israel, of course, he is attacking Israel. When And I would submit that it, it's clear that they have to read that into the text because he doesn't seem to at all be attacking um, Israel. In fact, he... We just mentioned he, he clearly defeats Israel's main enemies before he even enters into the glorious land. And then when he does, it says many countries shall be overthrown, but these shall escape out of hand, his hand. So we expect these that escape out of his hand to be representative of the other countries that he is defeating once he enters the glorious land. And they are Edom, Moab, and Ammon. And I would submit to you, these are the sort of biblical, uh, if you look up, do a word search on these these guys. They come up all the time as sort of quintessential enemies of Israel. Now, what other countries could he be at, uh, uh, attacking when he enters Israel? And keep in mind, my my premise here is that what he's doing, what what he's trying to do, is is act like what the Jews are sort of waiting for in this guy named Messiah ben Joseph, who goes and does exactly this stuff, destroys Israel's 
biblical enemies right before being killed and resurrected from the dead. So what I came across that I think will help me explain and, and, and give an apologetic argument for this is found in Zephaniah 2. So I'm going to go to Zephaniah 2 and I'm going to read... Well, I'm going to read the whole thing. I'm going to read it in something that's a little easier to read. Uh, I'll just go to the New King James here. And I'll begin. Gather yourselves together. Yes, gather together, O undesirable nation, before the decree is issued, or the day passes like chaff, before the, the Lord's fierce anger comes upon you, before the day of the, Lord, the Lord's anger comes upon you. Seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth, who have upheld his justice. Seek righteousness, seek humility, it may be that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. For Gaza shall be forsaken, and Ashkelon desolate. They shall drive out Ashdod at noonday, and Ekron shall be uprooted. Woe to the inhabitants of the sea coast, the nations of the Cher Cherethites. The word of the Lord is against you. O Canaan, land of the Philistines, I will destroy you, so that there shall be no inhabitant. The sea coast shall be pastures, with shelters for shepherds and folds for flocks. The coast shall be the remnant of the house of Judah, and they shall feed their flocks there. In the house of Ashkelon they shall lie down at evening, for the Lord their God will intervene for them and return their captives. I have heard the reproach of Moab and the insults of the people of Ammon, which, with which they have re, uh, reproached my people and made arrogant threats against their borders. Therefore, as I live, says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, surely Moab shall be like Sodom and the people of Ammon like Gomorrah. Overrun with weeds and salt pits, and a perpetual desolation, the residue of my people shall plunder them, and the remnant of my people shall possess them. This they shall have for their pride, because they have reproached and made arrogant threats against the people of the Lord of hosts. The Lord will be awesome to them, for he will reduce to nothing all the gods of the earth. People shall worship him, each one from his place, indeed all the shores of the nations. You Ethiopians also, you shall be slain by my sword." And he will stretch out his hand against the north, destroy Assyria, and make Nineveh a desolation, as dry as the wilderness. The herd shall lie down in her midst. Every beast of the nation, both the pelican and the bittern, shall lodge in their capitals. Her pillars, the voice shall sing in the, in the windows. Desolation shall be at the threshold, for he will lay bare the cedar work. This is the rejoicing city that dwelt securely, that said in her heart, I am in it, there is none besides me. How can she become a desolation, a place for beasts to lie down? Everyone who passes by her shall hiss and shake his fist. Okay, so this is um, the day of the Lord. This is an eschatological thing. Zephaniah 1 and 2 is clearly eschatological, talking about the end times. Just before this, the Lord is talking about what he's going to do to to Israel before this. But after he sort of does that purification with them, then he's going to do this. This is really going to happen one day. Now, I need to sort of back up and, and, and let you know, in case you don't, that a lot of the things that it got it said, you know, Gaza, Ashkelon, the, the, the land of the Philistines, the Cherethites, that it said he's going to, the, the sea coasts shall be pastors, they're going to be, the coast shall be for the remnant of the house of Judah. You need to know that that is not the case right now. In fact, if you look at a map of Israel, that the lands that are controlled by this, the Palestinians, they control pretty much the entire coastlands. And you know what's interesting is that they always have. Um, this has been from the days that uh, you know Joshua, Moses, and, and Joshua, and when Joshua entered into the land, um, you know Moses said, "Hey, look, you you guys need to go conquer this tribe and this tribe and this tribe, and you're supposed to conquer the whole land." But they never did conquer these areas uh, that are mentioned here, and. Because they never conquered them then, they've really been there the whole time, like throughout the whole history. So 
So the idea that the coastlands will, and these people, particularly, you know, uh, Gaza, Ekron, land of the Philistines, the Cherethites, all this stuff, that that will one day be Judah's is uh, obviously never happened and is supposed to happen in the end times, okay? So, and what's interesting, too, is we already heard mention, uh, well, we saw a mention here of Assyria, Ethiopians. These were all places that, in the wars of the Antichrist in Daniel 11, that are specifically mentioned. And I think it's a great apologetic, by the way, for the three-king theory, um, that that this is what's occurring here, is that if you look at this in this sort of reverse uh, way that the Antichrist is trying to do it in Daniel 11, he's trying to fulfill basically this prophecy, a prophecy that, it, let me tell you, is extremely important in Jewish eschatology. The, the, the Messiah needs to do this. And we would say that too as Christians. Yes, the Messiah needs to do, to do this. But what's interesting, of course, is that the Bible tells us that the Antichrist in Daniel 11 will do this too. But what the interesting thing is, is that God says when he enters into, a big part of this is when he enters into the land to do the conquering and, and overthrow countries. I mean, how many countries are there in Israel? Well, apparently, I can name you the ones that the Antichrist will uh, destroy when he, in Daniel 11, when he enters into the land. They are places like, uh, you know, Ekron, Ashdod, Gaza. I can name you the ones that he will conquer. But what's, of course, interesting is, is what, escapes from his hand Daniel 11:41 and he shall enter the glorious land and many countries shall be overthrown but these shall escape from his hand Edom Moab and the prominent people of Ammon so what i think is being said here in in Daniel is kind of a tip of the hat to say look this guy may be trying to do what the messiah really is going to do but he isn't doing it if Moab and, and Edom and Ammon escape from his hand, then he hasn't fulfilled Zechariah, excuse me, Zephaniah too. So it'll be one way of apologetic to say, look, this guy may be conquering a lot of people, but that is not his, uh, that's not how uh, we tell if he is the real Messiah or not. The real Messiah actually has to do this, all of it, not just some of it. And I think that's what, Daniel is alluding to, or, or the Holy Spirit through Daniel, when it says that when he enters into the Holy Land and he and he overthrows countries, there's going to be specific ones that escape from his hand that I believe are a direct reference to the the uh, to Zephaniah two and, and probably other places. Like I said, I just now found Zephaniah two. One one of the things I also want to mention in this is that uh, I've been really blown away about how how amazing the Word of God is and how. Lucky we are not to get it all at once, because just our mind would explode. He's just got so much to say to us, and uh, his word is so awesome. And um, there was another thing that I wanted to say. Let me see if I can remember it. Oh, yeah, I remember now. So basically, I wanted to say that um, I talked in the last podcast about how the idea of the two messiahs the, in Jewish eschatology, Messiah ben Joseph and Messiah ben David, Messiah ben Joseph conquers Israel's enemies, then goes to Jerusalem, and then is killed, and then is resurrected by either Messiah ben David or Elijah. There is sort of a split as to who exactly resurrects Messiah ben Joseph. Uh, it seems as though the majority view thinks that Messiah ben David resurrects him, though as I mentioned, some people believe that Elijah uh, resurrects him. Now, as I 
said that I think that the Elijah false prophet, you know, the real Elijah, of course, isn't a false prophet. But in this scenario, um, if anything like that ever happens, a person claiming to be Elijah in that scenario, he would be the false prophet. And somebody wrote, a good friend who I've mentioned here several times, it always keeps me on my toes, wrote and said, well, if Elijah is the one who resurrects from, from the dead, it might actually make sense because Elijah did a similar thing. Obviously, he wrote he, the, the, the widow's uh, son, he rose from the dead. And, and of course, the false prophet is, is going to do a lot of those kinds of things. Uh, he calls down fire from heaven, another thing that Elijah does. So that's very probable. I, I floated the theory that it could, because I don't see it being two messiahs like in Jewish eschatology. I think it's the same guy. It's Messiah ben Joseph is the same guy as Messiah ben David. Uh, so that's why I was kind of trying to argue that. But I certainly think as far as who resurrects him, it could be, uh, the certainly could be the false prophet. That would make a lot of sense. And of course, that's one of the fa- things the false prophet would then do is then sort of defer to him. Yes, it was my power that resurrects him, but but he or you know however he would say that but he the false prophet in revelation 13 he doesn't accept any of that for himself he defers all worship all glory if you will to the antichrist himself even though in this scenario he would be the one who raised from the dead so so of course i don't know exactly how the antichrist will will make this deception look whether he will raise himself up or if there will in fact be as the jewish people believe two two messiahs messiah ben david messiah ben joseph messiah and Ben David resurrecting him, or if he resurrects himself, I don't know. But that theory needs to be put out there that it certainly could be the false prophet who uh, seems to play an integral role in the resurrection of the Antichrist after he has entered Jerusalem, after he has defeated all these enemies, and just before the Abomination of Desolation event, a timeline that, as I tried to demonstrate in the previous podcast, is so amazing because that's the exact timeline that we see in Daniel 11. A guy conquering wars, then going to Israel to to conquer the, the people surrounding Israel, as we've been talking about this, at this podcast, then being killed, and then the three-and-a-half-year period starts, the time of trouble like no other, and all the stuff that's talked about in Daniel 12.1. Obviously, that is the midpoint. So just this very interesting timeline is matching up exactly with these other eschatologies. I guess I should also mention, somebody said that I um, had said that Jewish eschatology and Muslim eschatology were the same at some point. Uh, I am obviously mis- misspoke. I, I probably should have said something like they, they are working together to lead to a similar action, a similar conclusion, but they, they're certainly not the same thing or, or saying the exact same thing. And, in any of the details, so I need to clear that up. So thank you to uh, Ben for letting me know about that. Okay, so thanks for sitting through this supplemental podcast. I know the quality hasn't been as good as I would like it, but I hope the information will be helpful to any of you that are following along with the home game, that is reading the Bible and trying to to figure out whether or not any of this stuff is true, um, because. Uh, whether it's me or anybody else, you've got to be doing the homework. If you find yourself saying, hey, I like this this theory or, or I don't like it or whatever, it, it's good to, it's good, it's necessary for you to challenge it, to find any holes in the theory, to present those holes. Um, this is definitely something I am paying attention to in my emails uh, because I want to make sure that it's correct. So you guys out there, 
I uh, would really appreciate it if you find anything that is supporting or, or conflicting with this. I would indeed like to hear about it. Okay, thanks for your time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you would like a free copy of the Christianity 101 DVD, which contains 8 gigabytes of audio, video, and text of various discipleship materials on a data DVD, please go to any one of my websites and look for the Christianity 101 button. It's totally free, and I'll ship it to you wherever you are in the world. If you would like to support this ministry or any of the others that I do, please consider a tax-deductible donation, which can be sent by PayPal using the email chris at chriswhiteministries.com or by clicking the PayPal button on any one of my websites. Another great way to support this ministry is by writing a review of the podcast on iTunes or writing a review of my books on Amazon. Reviews figure very prominently into the ranking algorithms of both of those websites, and the higher they rank, the more people that can be reached. Thanks for your time and for subscribing to this feed.